We make sure that we have kites and the kite flyers in the room. Our kites are those people who say, we can be flying a thousand feet in the air. Look at all the amazing things we can do. And our kite flyers are the ones that are like, yeah, but we got 500 feet of string, not a thousand. They're firmly grounded in these are the realities in which we're operating. And when you just have the kites, you have you have dreams that aren't really attached or grounded. And if you just have the kite flyers, you don't have the visionaries. Hello, and welcome to our Founding Connected Philanthropy podcast. We are privileged to have Marie Palacios from Funding for Good as our guest. Today, we will be digging into strategic planning. Marie and the team at Founding, Funding for Good have been helping nonprofits develop their strategic plans using methodology that focuses on the process. And this focus could help nonprofit leaders engage in strategic planning conversations and come away with a great written plan. Uh, I also know Funding for Good has been offering trainings, workshops, and resources focused on strategic planning for many years. Marie and her colleague Mandy have also been guest speakers on several education educational webinars for us, and they have also offered several articles found on our blog. Our community has definitely benefited from all the wisdom and knowledge they have shared with us over the past years, and we are excited to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marie. My pleasure. I'm excited to be talking about the process of strategic planning with you today, but But before we dive into that topic, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, So as you already said, I'm Marie Palacios, and Mandy and I are actually celebrating 20 years of partnering together in some sense, not just as funding for good. We started out both working in the nonprofit sector and subcontracting and bartering our services and, and, you know, have grown into the business of funding for good over the years. But my background is all grassroots, you know, hands-on nonprofit work. So we say, you know, a lot of times you go to trainings or you meet with a consultant and they're telling you these all these great ideas that feel, you know, sound easy. But in reality, it's like walking through peanut butter. And for those of us who have been there and have been on the front line serving as an executive director, which I have as a program director, which I have development staff, which I have. It's it's like things sound easy, but we know better. So we really our business model is really. Um, helping people not just tell them what they need to do, but giving them tips and tools and showing them how to do it. So we hope that any engagement with us, whether it's a short podcast or a training or a boot camp, um, leaves people with something they can actually take away and use it today. So, Well, we've definitely heard that from our community so far. They love all of the material, tips, and just knowledge that you so willingly share. And I'm excited to have you on the podcast today talking about this. I think strategic planning is so important and it seems so big. And I, I want to make, uh, make sure we, we talk about how you make it so approachable and then also the resources and, and assistance that you have available for the, uh, folks if they need more assistance there. So starting out, Uh, Can you explain why strategic planning and having a strategic plan is is so vital for nonprofits? Oh, absolutely. So we're using the word strategic plan, but in the for-profit world, we would be using the term business plan, right? So my husband and I have a small construction company. It's a for-profit company um, in addition to my consulting. And if we wanted to go to the bank to take out a loan to maybe grow his gutter cutting, his gutter installment side of the business, and we need a $30,000 loan for that, 
first thing the bank is going to ask us for is, what do you need? Why do you need it? And they're going to ask us for three very specific things. The first is going to be, what's your business plan? Because they want to see, do you have a plan to actually repay that loan? And they're going to get that return on the investment. The second thing they're going to ask is current capacity. Where are you now? You said you're going to have 20 employees in two years, but you're really a one person show right now. What does that look like now? And the third thing they're going to ask is, what's your credit score? Because they want to see your history of successfully paying back. And we see that and we just consider it the norm in the for-profit world. But we don't stop to think that in the nonprofit world, our donors are investors. They are looking for a return on their investment. That return on investment might not be profit, but it's purpose. It's meaningful impact. So if I give you $1,000 or $100,000, I want to know that there's a plan to take those dollars and sow into the mission and produce a return on investment in the terms of meaningful impact. So when we look at planning for the future and cultivating donors and growing our capacity, we have to have a plan to get there. We know that only about half of the nonprofits in the country right now have a written strategic plan, but a strategic plan is the greatest tool in your fundraising toolkit. It can double your chances of success if it's done well, but it really keeps everyone on the same page. So in our world, we tell people just keeping people on the same page, the nonprofit culture, there's a lot of turnover with board rotations, staffing. And when we say, oh, we're going to California, California is a big place. We may think we're talking about the same thing, but we can. there's lots of ways to get to California. So a strategic plan confirms the destination for everyone on the team, board, staff, volunteers. But most, most importantly, if it has an operational plan with it, it provides the tools and timelines to make sure that we're running a three-legged race where everyone's heading in the same direction. Otherwise, it's one of those old school strategic planning races where everyone's falling over each other. So <laughs> it's, it's okay. direction and, and really being able to grow capacity. I mean, you can't do it without a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Um, I love that analogy too of getting what it means to have everybody on the same page. Um, you mentioned those three things that a strategic plan could could answer. Are those the the key components, or are there different components of what constitutes a, a strategic plan? There are, but I would venture to say any evidence based comprehensive process should answer at least these three questions. The first one is where are we now, because we really can't determine where we want to be in the future unless we know where we are now. If we're standing at a national park and we're trying to get to the upper falls, we have to look at that kiosk and agree this is the path we're on or you're going to have lots of uh, we should go left or we should go right. So even though it sounds crazy, many board members, staff members, team members in general might not actually have a working knowledge or agree upon where we are. We have the capacity to do that. No, we don't. Um, So where are we now is the first question every plan should answer. That's usually done in the form of an analysis, a scan. So you might have heard of a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. That's an internal analysis. At Funding for Good, we don't do SWAT. We do SWATA. We end with achievements because who wants to end a conversation on threats? And I'm like, whoever the brilliant person was that said, let's end a whole conversation on threats um, should revisit. So we do SWATA. And it's a great way to celebrate the organization's achievement with all the team members participating. It might be an external scan. And those are those are well known in the community where you're looking at the community around to say what's going on in the community. So you have internal and external scans to answer the question, where are we now? We have an article on Funding for Good's website. If you go to fundingforgood.org and just use the little search bar and put environmental scan, you'll see a breakdown on internal and external and some of the models. 
but the second question is now that we know where we are now, the second one is where do we want to be in three to five years or whatever that designated time frame is? So where do we want to be? And that where do we want to be in X number of years can look different for different organizations. In our strategic planning process, we tend to look up as far ahead as an organization looks comfortable. It could be 10 years, it could be eight years, it could be 20 years, but we really create actionable goals for the next three to five years. Automobile industries, cities, municipalities might need to look further ahead if there's a lot of infrastructure involved or organizations working with infrastructure because you can't just look two years ahead on major infrastructure. But we we involve a visioning process where we want to be in X number of years. And then finally, the third question we always answer in our process is how do we get there? And that's the strategies and the timelines and all of those things. So where are we now? Where do we want to be? And how do we get there are the three overarching questions every really good plan should answer. Excellent. Now, I've been involved in a couple, you know, board retreats, strategic planning, and I always have to coach myself before I go in there because I'm, I, um, I, I may take over, I may not speak up, I may do too much, not enough, whatever. You know, everybody has different personalities and different comfort with Absolutely. participating in these types of uh, uh, planning processes. So how do you have any areas or tips um, of advice for how to make a level playing field for everyone involved? Absolutely. That's going to come down almost completely to your facilitator. So choosing a facilitator is a huge, huge part of the process. This isn't a pitch to say, oh, we're going to facilitate for you. Happy to do that. But there you may have someone on your team. You may have someone in your community, a volunteer, someone in your community foundation. But choosing the right facilitator is going to be um, imperative when you're looking at leveling that playing field for several reasons. I've never actually facilitated a process in which I was the executive director of the organization because it is impossible to be a neutral facilitator and open up the conversation while being an active participant. It's just impossible. So if you are an active participant or want to be, then it is probably a time to say I should step back and not serve as the facilitator. Regardless if you have someone who will do it for free or you invest in a facilitator who's qualified, I highly recommend, first of all, getting a facilitator. We do have a whole training on that, on strategic planning processes, and we say what to expect from a facilitator. Also, if you click on that little search bar on fundingforgood.org, there's what I call the holy grail of strategic planning um, articles. And there's a breakdown on what to expect from facilitators, how to put a call out for RFP. So I won't get into that now, but first is the... um, the facilitator. The second is to recognize that in every room, you're going to have your abrasive and your persuasive. And as a facilitator, I always enjoy both. You know, people go, but you don't want the abrasive. I do. I want a little bit of push pushback, maybe not too much. We have to keep it in check. But persuasive can be just as dangerous as abrasive or just as harmful because when people get pulled along blindly, they make decisions they might not have otherwise made. Someone could be very convincing. And abrasive people can get bulldozed and strong-armed into making those decisions. Abrasive and persuasive can pull um, conversations in particular directions and and encourage the group to make decisions that might not be the soundest choices. So always look for the abrasive and the persuasive, identify those pretty early on. We make sure that we have kites and the kite flyers in the room. So I've never heard this analogy, but it makes sense to me and hopefully it will to you. Um, Our kites are those people who say, we can be flying a thousand feet in the air. Look at all the amazing things we can do. And our kite flyers are the ones that are like, yeah, but we got 500 feet of string, not a thousand. They're firmly grounded in these are the realities in which we're operating. And when you just have the kites, you have 
you have dreams that aren't really attached or grounded. And if you just have the kite flyers, you don't have the visionaries. So capacity building is about adding to your spool of kite string. And a strategic planning process gets the kites and the kite flyers in the room and says, how can we add more to this spool? So maybe we won't get to 1,000 feet in this planning process, but maybe we'll get to 700 or 750 feet. So the planning process allows our kites and our kite flyers to add to that string and get a little bit out of their comfort zones each in, in their own way. And then finally, we have introverts and extroverts. So we have abrasive and persuasive. We have our kites and our kite flyers. And then we have just the way people communicate, which is our introverts and our extroverts. And if I open up a question and say, where do we want to be in three years? Extroverts, we can create 20 responses. I'm an extrovert, as you can tell. But they're not going to be our best thoughts. They're just going to be stream of consciousness. Introverts, by the time they've organized a really beautiful response, we've moved on. The conversation's already passed. So we use an evidence-based facilitation method that we're trained in called the TOP method, and it stands for Technology of Participation. There are lots of evidence-based models out there. I highly encourage um, organizations to look for facilitators who have a wealth of knowledge in facilitation technique, evidence-based models, lots of experience, because the facilitator is a big chunk of success. And one of the things that the TOP method requires and that we appreciate is it levels the playing field by giving everyone a focus question. We only ask one question at a time. We give everyone a set amount of time to quietly um, collect their thoughts, because how can we collect, um, share our best thoughts if we haven't taken time to collect them? So that could be three minutes to four minutes or five minutes. And then we move into small groups. So once we've collected our thoughts using very specific instructions we provide in writing, we move into small groups because it's 10% harder to achieve consensus for every person after seven in the room. So if you're dealing with 21 people in the training session, it's going to be hard to get that agreement. So we move into small groups of three and four. And when they can agree they're saying the same thing and I have three or four groups, then we come back together and we have four groups of maybe three. Now we just have to get four groups to agree. So breaking into, you know, it's kind of in the educational world called think, pair, share. We use that think, pair, share model in our strategic planning to level the playing field. And it's been really, really successful to manage all those different personality and processing types. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love that. And I love the language and, and you're not saying one type is better than the other. So people will feel validated. They'll feel their role and the importance of it and, and what they're bringing to the table in that type of a process. And, and yeah, we need I just, everyone, you know, we need the pushback, yeah. we need that pushback to challenge. We need the persuasion to, say, let's get out of our comfort zone. We need all those personalities in the room to get the best product because the method we use is consensus-based and it's based on the premise that the best plans come out of um, diverse um, diversity in participation, that the better the participation, the more diverse the participation, the better your plan will be. That's great. That's great. And I don't know if this ever happens because um, I, I I haven't participated using that method, but. Um, <laughs> I have seen whiteboards filled with ideas and, and <laughs> does that ever come out of, or, or happen, you know, often in these planning strategies and then it's just overwhelming. Um, I have an idea of how I would organize it or, uh, you know, but sometimes it's just overwhelming and, and how do you bring that into, you know, what should we focus first? What should we ignore? What, 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 you know, <laughs> really awesome thing about the evidence-based model that we we use to facilitate is it takes into consideration that first we need to collect our thoughts then we need to share them 
then we need to agree upon them, but then we need to organize them. So our process actually goes through a, what we call a clustering process. And we, all those ideas, instead of just putting them on the board, we then say, for example, if it's accomplishments, we'll say which ones of these share a similar intent and we start clustering them. Or if we're talking about barriers, it might be which ones have a similar root cause. So we provide a prompt to our participants to help them cluster. So we're not just saying which one of these makes sense together, because I can say we're going to have a marketing strategy. If we're talking about strategies, I can say we're going to have a marketing strategy. Well, what's the intent behind it? Is it to raise awareness? Is it to raise dollars? Is it to do something else? So the intent behind something is just as important as the strategy put to it. So we provide very particular prompts. That's only one prompt on a time on the board and everyone helps cluster. And then we go through a naming process to say, these are the, the things we said we want to see in five years. Looking at the contribution in this particular column, what are we talking about? And then we agree on the name. So our process actually walks through and helps organize that. I always felt sorry for the scribe in strategic planning processes. Like how do you, it's like collecting stars, shooting stars in the sky and getting them in a document. So you know, I believe that the value that a facilitator brings if they've done it and done it well is having a template that and a way, a methodology to collect the information and then put it into a written document that can be um, used. So while I'm facilitating, another team member is typically scribing all the information. So there's no, no one has to actually take time to scribe. Every participant from the organization is highly involved. Our team members typing everything up and we have created a template that I like to call the development director's best friend. Because we both worked in development, Mandy and I have backgrounds in development and program management, and we have created a template that's very visual that you can extract extract for marketing, you can extract for development work, you can extract for programming. So taking the ideas and then putting them in an editable, user-friendly, visually appealing document is another part of the process. And we see a lot of organizations say, we went through this process, but we got all these notes, we don't know where to go from there. And that's why when we talk about in our articles and also in our trainings on strategic planning, if you ever look at strategic planning, the process, it's on our website and it's also in our vault. We walk through very particular slides on what to ask your facilitator. Like, what should you be asking? What is your methodology? What is your process? What is included in the end product? How are we getting there? So that you know what to expect, because honestly, one size doesn't fit all. And the questions you're asking are great. And every facilitator will have a different way of getting to that end goal. And one size doesn't fit all. So ask the questions, have someone in the room that maybe has facilitated, but maybe won't be facilitating because they want to be an active participant. But at the end of the day, there's so many evidence-based processes for action planning, consensus building. There's no reason that a really high caliber facilitator wouldn't have some type of training in that area. That's great. Um, I am wondering at this point, is... With your experience, because you not only train on this and have all these great resources, but you you do a lot of the strategic okay. planning work together. And um, I just I just want to watch your work after hearing all these different techniques. I want to see them in action. Do you have any um, just averages that you've seen in terms of if you're a, a group of 10 or so, how, how long, or I know it probably depends, but what does it depend on and how much time should you give to this process? So it really depends on what's involved in the process. We, when we first started out, we were learning and we wanted to give people options. So we would say, here's your strategic planning retreat, because everyone's all asking, they call us up and say, we're having a board retreat. We want you to facilitate strategic planning. So many, many moons ago, we would go when we would do these goal setting 
but just the basic knowledge and agreement on where we are. We would start to goal set in a particular area. We'd say after school program and they'd say, we can do this. And someone would say, no, 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 we can't do that because, and we kept, we kept, it felt like a yo-yo and it just kept going back and forth. And it was, then they would say, you know what, we're going to do it at every month board meeting. Well, you lose momentum that way. So we found that strategic plans fail for lots of different reasons. We have an entire article on that called reasons, top reasons, strategic plans fail. Encourage you to look at it. And we have looked at the reasons plans fail, right? People aren't in the room. Maybe, maybe um, it's it drawn out too long and we lose momentum and people say, but we need to finish this before we can get through and actually plan. I say, there is no better time to plan than now. If you're in the middle of a sticky situation, a pandemic, that is your current reality. There's nothing wrong with your current reality. It just is what it is. We start our planning where we are, whether that is good, bad, or ugly. So our process that we work through with clients, we've rebuilt to include things that not all processes include. So ours includes a visioning session. So it's strategic thinking, which I'm actually teaching today on a webinar at 2 p.m. Eastern. So we're talking about how strategic thinking drives strategic planning. That strategic thinking is like that big picture, that visionary piece, that where do we want to be, the why. We do that in the form of a visioning session and we review the organization's core identity, their vision and their mission statements. Then we move into the environmental scans. Where are we now? We used to tell clients, oh, if you can do that, then we'll come and plan. We learned that they weren't always equipped to do that. So now that's automatically a part of our standard process. We do visioning. We do the environmental scan. The third piece that we engage them in is stakeholder feedback. They may not have the budget to do a really comprehensive $30,000 market research. So we meet people where they are. Our standard process guides them through some important conversations with stakeholders. And then we facilitate a two eight-hour day strategic planning retreat back to back. It's a hard ask. We have a whole facts on why we do that, but we have truly learned that it keeps the momentum. It keeps the focus. And by the end of that two day retreat within, we tell them five business days, but it's almost always within 24 hours, they have their written hand in plan. So while our process is intense, it also gets you to that end product. And then we offer a follow-up support call within 30 days because they've had time to digest, you know, look at it and say, oh, we left something out or we need to tweak something. So we provide support. We provide them a suite of tools and templates so that they don't have to create a common director's report, reporting tool, all of those types of things. So we provide them with the things that we believe will position most nonprofits to be successful. And then we also send them a a plan of these are additional ways we might support. One thing I don't see with other a lot of other groups is creating an annual operational plan to get groups started. So we have organizations contact us that completed a plan with someone else and they have those lovely, wonderfully crafted one, two, three year goals. But they're like, where do we go from here? So we actually on the second day of the retreat, break down the first year into quarters, uh, break down each quarter into their accomplishments. And then we actually model a 90 day implementation plan and give them an editable, editable PDF as part of their get started suite of documents so that everyone knows when they walk out of that two-day retreat, not just where they're going to be in three years, but where they're going to be in three weeks. And we found that including the implementation model is one of the biggest contributors to success of our clients. I can see that. I mean, all of this is is great. You feel so accomplished after you got it done and then you want to go on vacation. (laughs) But like, like continue that momentum. And, and even if you do, you know, have a little break, what, what is, what's next? What's first? What's, I love that. 
Um, yeah, even if people agree on the goals, agreeing on first steps can be challenging. So we just, after many years of doing it, realized if we can model it with them and they can actually create their 90-day implementation plan for the first quarter of their plan, we walk through it, we send them into small groups who's involved in this particular achievement, this particular goal, and then they come and report, we tweak it, we say, how might we adjust this? They've walked out actually doing it, and then they have that 30-day check-in, and then we've provided the tips and tools. And then we also have follow-up plans. We have a lot of clients that go ahead and book us for their annual accountability and review. But again, those are different questions you'll ask facilitators. We're seeing a lot of calls for RFPs, um, and many of them are saying we want an operational plan because people are realizing the end goals are great, but we need some type of way to put it into action for that annual planning. Yeah, because if you don't have the capability of doing that yourself and and getting all all that consensus on what we're going to do first really, again, helps helps people exercise those newly formed muscles of of what they just learned. Um, So the environmental scan and the um, stakeholder input, that happens before the two day kind of separate, right? Okay. Absolutely. We want to make sure that they're taking into consideration information that could or should impact their future decisions. So, and we, we talk about stakeholders, anyone who has a vested interest in, in the organization, but there's lots of different ways to do that. We identify the stakeholders. We talk about what we need to, what we need to know from them. And most people say, but we want to talk to everyone. It's not necessary to talk to everyone before the strategic plan retreats. Some of those conversations are needed to confirm the framework and the major directions. Others are going to be, we need this feedback to implement the step really well. Like we want a membership program. What do people want in a membership program? That would come after you've determined, you know, we're doing X, Y, or Z because you already know that's being requested, but you might send out a survey to all your stakeholders and say, what would you like to see enhanced in our membership program once the plan's approved? So you have to figure out what are the front end and what are the implementation end stakeholder conversations that to be had so you don't get overwhelmed in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Oh my gosh, there's so much I want to ask for stories of, uh, <laughs> you know, difficult situations, how you resolve them, all this. But as you're talking, you you keep on bringing up these resources that you have. And I know from working with you, the vault isn't something that you keep secret. The vault is something that you have full of resources that you offer folks. So um, I... I first want to give uh, you a chance. Is there there anything really critical about strategic planning that you that you also want to say as as part of the element that I might not have asked you about yet? I think the getting the buy in is really important um, okay. because you know we see staff calls and say we've been charged to do this or the board saying we're doing this without the staff and that's like having your kites or your kite flyers in the room alone. It doesn't really work well. So we've actually turn down clients that are willing to book us because we did not feel like they were going to be able to get the right people in the room. We don't have to have hundred percent of board members or hundred percent of staff, but you need that diversity of opinion. And we didn't want to take their money and invest their time in a process that we did not feel was going to produce the best results for them. So I would say buy-in is very important and understanding that strategic planning is an investment that you should see a return on that investment in organization. We've had, I've checked in with three of our groups this week and just said, you know, what's working well? And they said the way that we structured the plan, they use it every staff meeting, the implementation tools. And, you know, that buy-in and that follow-through is important. It is an investment. It's going to take time and it does not need to take tons of time. It doesn't have to take years like some people think, or even a year time, and it could take money. So you need to be thinking about it. 
before your next budgeting period and looking at prices. A lot of people call us and say, we want to do this next week. Most facilitators will be booked out a little ways and they want to make sure that you've gotten the pre-work done before any planning retreat. So start early, even if you think it may be the end of next year, go ahead and start those conversations, start getting potential prices and start looking at your budgeting so that when it's time to engage in strategic planning, you have all of those ducks in a row and can make better informed decisions. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, So with your free resources, I know you train, you mentioned you have a training going on today about strategic thinking. And um, can you explain what offerings you have and how you're because I think you have a whole boot camp on this. Who are you training? Yeah. Potential facilitators or people that want to do it on their own? Who do you train? And, and who do you, you go out in the field and, and, and what kind of programs do you offer? If you could give us an overview of that. So we have our kind of what I call our good, better, best. I mean, anything that's free and is accessible is good, right? When Mandy and I started, we had a commitment that we want to have something for everyone, but we are a for-profit business. We actually feed our families with our income. So we wanted to make sure that we had really good options for people that just aren't at a point where they can invest. You can find those free options under the resource tab. If you go to fundingforgood.org and you look at the resource tab, you will see templates. You'll see some paid ones on there. I will tell you that those um, right underneath, there are close to 50 free templates at any given time on that template. So if you need budgeting templates, if you need getting started, top questions to ask your board about strategic planning, those are on there. So we have an entire library of articles and video um, videos on strategic planning, board development, fundraising, all those things. So that's a really good option for everyone. And then if you go to the training tab, we're always offering free trainings through our partners, such as Foundant or you know, sometimes we're with Grant Station or small business development centers across the country. So you can look at those free trainings. We never clickbait. You'll see free in large capital letters beside anything that's free. Anything that's not free, we then we have our better. We have um, some paid trainings. They're usually about $47 and they're very specific topics. And the great thing about those is you do get the recordings, you get the handouts, you get all of those nifty tools. Always we have editable templates or things in there as well. So that's a better option. And then we have the vault, which is all of our digital resources under one roof. And it comes up to about, we say less than $100 a month, but it's a one-time subscription for the year. It has all the trainings, everything in there. As far as custom work, the best option. So we have good, then we have the better, a little bit more tailored to what you're looking for. You can get it on demand. And then the best option is that custom work. So we do work with clients to facilitate strategic planning. And we're happy to share our approach. We can send that and say, here's how we work. It's all in writing. You can share it. We can share references. We work with consultants because we know that there's lots of amazing consultants out in the communities that are trying to grow their businesses. So we actually have boot camps for consultants. Some of them are growing their strategic planning services, their grant writing services, fundraising services. And we do particular trainings. We've had a ton of free trainings for consultants. We have boot camps and then we have a wonderful two-day nonprofit consulting um, conference coming up in August that's specific to consultants. So if any of the audience is out there and they say, oh, we work or we know some amazing consultants, the nonprofit consulting conference is an amazing way to get great information and network with people from all over the world. So kind of those good, better, best, check out the website, the free stuff, the paid stuff is always really reasonable. And then all the custom stuff, we work with you to create something that's going to get you to where you want to be. Great, great. This has been so helpful. And I want to thank you so much for sharing all of this with our community. Uh, This is a topic that can 
really make a difference for a nonprofit organization. But you're right. Uh, you know, the time is now to plan and budget and, and really do what you need uh, and make sure that you have the resources and time set aside to do that. And so I'm, I've learned so much. I'm sure our community has as well uh, about the strategic planning process and how important it is for long-term success. I want to remind our listeners that we will be including Marie's contact information uh, as well as the Funding for Good website where you could learn more and where you could access these uh, resources about environmental scan and the process of, of filling out RFP and uh, where that resource tab is. We'll provide you a nice link. And I really, I really appreciate how open you are and not uh, that scarcity mindset. The, we have sponsored and worked with uh, Funding for Good on your nonprofit consulting conference last year, and we're happy to do that again this year. And so really encourage any consultants or people thinking about being a consultant to check that out heard just rave reviews from people who did go to that. So we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Um, do you have any final thoughts or advice to leave our listeners with? No, just, you know, get start looking around at strategic planning processes. Again, go to the website, Strategic Planning Services. We have a free checklist to get started in the strategic planning process. You can go to Funding for Good, look at the strategic planning tab. There's a free editable checklist as well. Again, there's no shortage of resources um, to start the conversations. And if you're not sure where to start, but you think you might want to be moving forward and needing a consultant, you can always, you, you know, schedule a call. Tammy's going to share the links and all of those good things. And it's on the website. But we look forward to seeing hopefully you all on other founder events, maybe at the nonprofit conference or online or in person soon. So thanks for having me today, Tammy. It's been a lot of fun to connect with you. It's always great to see you. Yes, as always, same to you. Um, if if our if you have learned something from today's Connected Philanthropy podcast, please share it with others who might also enjoy and benefit from it. Marie and Mandy, you have so much uh, available, and we're so glad to be part of sharing that out. And we look forward to connecting with our community and also with you, Mandy, and, and uh, future webinars, podcasts, and community discussions. We will include all those links in the show notes. And we wish you all the best success. And again, thank you all for all you do.